and welcome back to 12.1. My name is Amy Kirkpatrick, and today we're going to be talking about Genesis 18, the three visitors, and how Abram fights for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Welcome back. Thank you so much for listening. Today, we are jumping back into our Bible study time. And I want to be super, super clear that, again, we are not going to be doing a super in-depth Bible study in the way that we're going to be looking at every topic and every single idea that can possibly come up because we could take this in 9 million different directions. But what I really wanted to focus on is just looking at the character of who God is, looking at his relationship with his people and how he interacts with us as we fail, as we struggle, as we doubt, as we fall into sin, Um, because who God is in the Old Testament is the same God that we deal with today. I think often, you know, as I was doing ministry, I'd always see this separation between um, Jesus and the New Testament, also like compared to a, a more wrathful Old Testament God and kind of almost separating them out or having a hard time relating them or seeing how the Old Testament even relates to our world today. And uh, I, I thought it would be really good to kind of go through a study and just kind of looking at the Old Testament and seeing how we can read these stories and see how they apply to our lives today because we can look at the character of God. We can look at his grace and mercy. And we can see how he has that same grace and mercy for us today. And we can kind of look a little bit deeper at uh, this idea of a wrathful God um, instead of a gracious God. And so anyway, that's what we're going to be kind of looking at. And we're in Genesis 18. And I've been going back and forth. I have no idea what's best, whether it's better for me to read each and every single verse to you guys and then kind of discuss some of the topics or if it's best to summarize uh, and what fits basically your needs. But if you have an idea, feel free to tell me, feel free to write me and let me know your thoughts. Uh, you can always write me at 121podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what works for you guys. So today I'm going to be um, summarizing and going through it in that way, kind of telling the story um, in a not a line for line, but going through and just kind of doing a synopsis of um, the story. And so we'll see, see how you guys feel about that way. Um, but I hope you enjoy this episode on Genesis All right, so starting in 18, uh, verse 1, we see that the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent. Then it says, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from his entrance of his tent and he bowed low to the ground. And then we're going to see Abraham go about um, asking if they need water, if they would like to come and eat, eat bread. And he gets Sarah to go and help make some bread. And he goes and prepares some food for them to eat. And we see this a powerful story of Abraham talking to these three men who tell him, one year from today, Sarah will have a baby. And so now they have this time frame of a year. They actually hear this news. And this is that famous scene um, that a lot of us know about Sarah laughing at this idea of having a child a year from now. And she says very specifically, she says, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? And this, I just love this. So, um, Then the Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at this appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. So then Sarah was afraid, it says, 
And she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. And it kind of just pauses there and then it goes into this next segment of the story. So looking at the very beginning of this, you know, I didn't even write this down in my notes when I studied it the first time or the second time or the third time going through it just now getting ready for this um, this episode. I never really like thought about the idea of the fact that it says that the Lord appeared to Abraham and then it says he looked up and saw three men. Now, I've looked into this several times, not this specifically this part, but often this comes up, especially in the Old Testament where it says that the Lord appeared and then it's a person or several people or angel, it says specifically an angel or that kind of thing. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I haven't studied enough to really feel like I have a right to speak about it here in this episode. And so I'm not going to speak about it um, because I just feel like people that are much smarter and greater than I am at studying the Bible will have that information. And um, and maybe someday I'll sit down and, and be able to study it better. Uh, but I do find it fascinating in the way that the Lord appears that we sometimes can recognize it. Sometimes it says that certain people just know that it's the Lord that is talking with them, even though it's a person. Um, And sometimes it's an angel and they just recognize that this is a holy, divine figure from the Lord. Uh, Or here we're looking at it and he says the Lord appeared to Abraham and he looked up and saw three men. And so that is all like super, I think, confusing. And I think it's um, hard for me to wrap my brain around. But You know, I often used to say this to people that um, I like the fact that I I don't understand everything about my God, that if my God was able to be understood in my meager humanness, um, then how great would that God be? I mean, the fact that I don't understand everything about him, the fact that uh, every time I open up the Bible, there's new things to discover, new things to research and understand. I love that. I love that this is an endless... um, journey of trying to dive in deeper and that our God is so big, that his world is so powerful and um, infinite that our little meager minds can't even hold it. And I often think about, you know, when we get to heaven someday, you know, we're going to, we're going to get up there and everything's going to be made clear. And I think we are all like, I don't even know if this is going to be a process because I don't even know if this will happen in heaven, but if we could look back at what we thought we were so smart in, you know, uh, as far as reading the Bible, I like I wonder sometimes if, you know, all these different denominations, these different religions, you know, for those that are going to heaven that believe in Jesus Christ, you know, I wonder if we'll all be in heaven and there will just be like this, oh, I only understood one one millionth of the full grand picture of who God is and what the spiritual world is all about. And I thought I knew it all. Now, Will we have those thoughts in heaven? I don't know. Um, There can be lots of discussion about that. But, you know, I just, I sometimes wonder, you know, how much do we actually know? I mean, we have the Bible here that tells us so much. But what happens if this is just the part that our brains can handle? What happens if there is so much more to the story that we won't discover in our lifetime? Um, Because just to know that this Bible is endless, that we will never get to the bottom of it is powerful to think about, that there's not a human that can possibly understand all of it. So anyway. Um, 
anyway, uh, you know, I think that's I think that's just the start of it. It's just you know these little pieces that pop up, and you're like, man, that is that is a bizarre thing that's not even in our our world of understanding. No matter how much you study it, we're never going to be able to wrap our minds fully around that specific thing. So I wanted to take a moment just to kind of think and talk about this thing that is happening with Sarah, because I think this is so much of how a lot of us struggle with our hardships, the things that we're going through, the doubts that we have is very similar to Sarah. And I don't want to just um, push it to the side because I think it's good to see, again, our humanness, our ability to relate to the Old Testament and see ourselves sitting in the mix of these stories. Because I think sometimes, at least for me, I grew up hearing some of these stories. And as I heard them, I automatically said, oh, the Israelites are dumb. Like, why do they not trust the Lord? Obviously, you know, uh, or why is Sarah laughing here? I mean, you know, they, why doesn't she trust the Lord? And it just sounds so simple. But as I walked through my own life, as I got older, I realized that the longer I walk in my faith, the, the more I realize I have to learn. And I think it's because I see characters like Sarah and I see myself act that way. And I go, wait, why at this stage in the game in my faith am I not doing better in this thing? Why do I not sound better than Sarah? Why do I not sound better than the Israelites in this moment? Uh, because it happens, it pops up and you go, oh my gosh. Like I think that's what scripture does for me sometimes is I see my reflection in it and I see it come up over and over again. And I think I should be in a better spot. Like when I step away from scripture, I think I'm a little bit higher up on the chain than I am. And as I read scripture, I go, oh, that's me. That's me. Like Peter's my person. Like Peter is me in a nutshell. You know, he has a lot of character traits of me. And so the more I read scripture, the more I see myself in the pages and go, geez, like, I was struggling with that. I was struggling with that. I got to I got to grow here. And so anyway, it can be very challenging. But anyway, so we look at Sarah and we know in the story that she's told she has one year. I mean, gosh, I can't even imagine waiting 25 years for a promise. And then finally, you're told this is the year like you are going to get pregnant any day. And and it's finally happening. It's finally going to come. And the joy that would overwhelm you, but at the same time, you know, a lot of us get a hard heart. Uh, I want to I kind of pose out there, how many of you have prayed long, long term for something? There's some things I've been praying for 15 years, 15 years. In fact, I have like three or four different things I've been praying for 15 years, things that have been really heavy on my heart. And, you know, there's, there's phases of having absolute faith in that. And then there's t- phases of what happens if my God just doesn't want to. What happens if he, you know, just won't do this? What happens if he's not listening? What happens if I don't deserve? And you get all these thoughts and doubts in your head. And here Sarah is, right? She's She's been seeing over time God continuing to give um, the confidence to Abram, Abraham. And, you know, she's been hearing that. But now we're seeing where her heart is. And it's kind of in this place of being hardened, like, are you kidding me? Like now, like you made the promise. It didn't happen. That's fine. I know my God may not <clears throat> uphold his promises or, you know, whatever her, her thoughts are. Right? Cause I don't, I know, I don't know. I'm not Sarah. Cause we each have our own excuses or things that harden our hearts, but you can see that her heart's hardened. Cause she laughs, she laughs. And then she outwardly says, are you kidding me? Like right when my husband is the age that he is, it's going to happen now, now. Like it's almost this cynical, sarcastic thought, right? And this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted all these Bible studies to be about is seeing how God reacts. So we see that 
that says, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did your Sarah, or why did Sarah laugh and say, I will really have a child now that I am old? Right? So he addresses the husband, right? He addresses the husband. And so I can launch into a massive, massive discussion about this, but um, I love, I love this because this is about the husband, you know, pushing and and speaking truth and life and encouragement into his wife, right? And so he's dragging the husband into this realm of doubt and saying, together, <laughs> you know, you guys need to work on this. And as the leader of the household, right, you need to speak truth and life into your wife because she is doubtful. And so he's bringing her in, right? And so this is very, very similar to what happens in the Garden of Eden, right? That God turns and addresses and asks, what did you do? right? And so he gives an opportunity for there to be interaction, to be, hey, I see a heart that is not doing well in this situation. So what is going on? Why did she say it, right? And then I love that the Lord says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And this is a question I feel like we all need to fight through and we need to grapple with. And I think there's going to be times when we believe absolutely for sure, there is nothing that can stand in the way of my God. Um, there is nothing too hard for him. But then there's times when we get diagnosed with cancer, or we can't have a baby, or uh, we want to go to a certain college, and they've rejected you, or, uh, you know, your marriage is a mess, and you don't know how to fix it, right? There's all sorts of moments in our life where we go, hold on, maybe this one is too hard. Maybe, maybe this is the moment right? That he doesn't stand true. And so this be, can be something that we all need to kind of fight through. Maybe you are good right now, but I think it's something that we need to write on our hearts. This phrase right here, like God is telling Abraham, God is saying it. Do you think there is anything too big for me? If you were standing, okay, with God right in front of you and you were talking with him and he asked you that question, <laughs> How, what do you say? Do you, yes, Lord, I think there's something too big. But I mean, at that point, he is stating truth. He is asking, but at the same time, as he's asking, he's also stating a fact. And so it's not something that we even need to respond to. He's saying, I have all things in my hand. Nothing is too big for me. I am, I have the power and authority over all things, Right. So this impossible situation with Sarah that does, I mean, it is silly. It is crazy. It is insane that this is going to happen to Sarah and Abraham. It's impossible. But in God's hands, it's not, right? And it says, I will return at an appointed time a year from now. So now Sarah was afraid. And she, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. And so there's this really, uh, amazing situation here of us wanting to cover ourselves. We're looking at human nature here. Our desire, I mean, obviously, like, so she said it, God heard it, addressed it, and she still lied, right? So our gut tendency, and I think this is really good to see human nature because we can see ourselves in that. We can see exactly how we react, that our gut response is going to be self-preservation. It's going to be to lie or to scheme or to do something to cover what we have just done in our errors and our ways. And so this could be as simple as doing something we know that God doesn't like. And as we feel the conviction, we just turn away from God. 
right? Uh, like we just stop talking to them or we, or we change the subject or we, you know, whatever. Um, but we can feel that conviction and just turn, right? And we just turn away like, no, I didn't do that, right? Um, I wish sometimes we were more like dogs when, <laughs> I don't know if your dog's like this, but when they do something wrong and they kind of put their ears down and they put their head down and they they walk over to you immediately. Like you don't even have to say something. Like sometimes you just walk in the house and they just have that demeanor. You're like, oh, you did something, right? People are not like that. People are the polar opposite. We pretend, we act like nothing's wrong. We sit on the couch. Like I'm thinking about my six-year-old. We sit on the couch, reading a book, acting normal, pretending like nothing's wrong, right? We we tend to push that away. And so it's really good to see that. But we see that God goes in and said, yes, you did laugh, right? So he's addressed it twice now and he's called it out. Now, again, the whole point of what I want to do here in these studies is to look at how God interacts with us. And he he will honestly and boldly call us out. It's the same thing as in the Garden of Eden when he addressed Adam and Eve and he asked, what did you do, right? And they have an opportunity to be straight and honest with him. and they Or they have an opportunity to try to cover it up, to blame and disassociate with it. And and we see we see repercussions all throughout the Bible of this idea of, of pushing it away or not taking ownership of it. And it, it just makes me wonder, you know, how much different things would be if our hearts were more inclined to say, Lord, I failed you. I failed you. I doubted you. You know, how uh, how could I do that? You know, fix this in me or whatever it may be. But um I love uh, in Psalm 51, and it's about David when he is crying out to the Lord after he has um, slept with uh, Bathsheba and then killed her husband. And this is like nine months later when he's processing all of it. And he said, you know, if it was sacrifices, I'm paraphrasing, if this is sacrifices that you would, that you desire, then I'd give them. But it's a broken and contrite heart that you desire. Again, paraphrasing, but basically saying it's the brokenness of our heart. It's us aching over the things that we do wrong is what God really wants. It's not the sacrifice of trying to fix it and make it better or, but it's it's being brokenhearted over our sin and being willing to turn to him, right? And, and repent of that and sit with him in that is what he actually desires. And so if, if we could train ourselves to have a gut reaction of instead of lying <laughs> or fighting against that, um, t- that gut reaction was not, you know, God, God wasn't shaming her. He was addressing it. But for her to respond in a way of more of like, ah, I hate that I'm like this. I hate that I, you know, whatever. A broken and contrite heart over her sin. You know, as I was preparing for this episode, I was kind of debating about uh, trying to keep this all in one episode or split it into two. But I think that because of this moment with Sarah um, being so important, but also this uh, next portion, which is Abraham pleads for Sodom. I feel like it's really important to sit on that one for a little while and I don't want to piece it all together and make one really long episode. So I'm going to split this into two and we're going to do Genesis 18 in two parts. And so uh, I hope you guys will join me for the next episode, but I'm going to go ahead and split it here so that we kind of um, can sit in what we kind of went over today and kind of process through it and then allow for the second portion of this, talking about God's wrath, um, his anger, but also our part in that story. I think it's really good to sit on that one as well. And so anyway, I hope you join me for the next part. 
If you guys have any questions or anything you'd like to add in or hear me talk about or discuss or good interviews that you might have, um, suggestions, anything like that, feel free to write me at 121podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from each and every single one of you. And as always, I so, so appreciate each one of my listeners. I hope you guys have a great day, uh, a blessed day. uh, and And I'm just praying for each and every single one of you guys. Thank you guys.